Welcome to Glib Shark, the podcasting madness of three people and the shark of their dreams. Our hosts include Jack Jenga Ship Edithel, Lauren Obo Crazy Urban, and Jonathan Roadblock Cerna. Dive in as they chat with interesting people across the internet and generally talk about really geeky things. Be a chum and join us, won't you? It's time for Glib Shark. Nope. Yeah. Speaking of things that happen on a regular basis, hi, I'm Jack. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Lauren. And we are Glib Shark. Today is March 1st, 2016, and sure enough, it is coming like a lion. Will it go out like a lamb? Stay tuned and find out. But first, as always, we have the lovely, the talented, the amazing Oboe Crazy here to do a little something that we call This Week in Geek. Lauren, how you doing? I am exhausted and excited all at the same time for reasons we'll talk about shortly. But first, I only have two things for This Week in Geek, and they're both date-related. First, hey, did you know yesterday was Superman's birthday? That's right. It's a leap year. And so um, February 29th is supposedly his birthday, which is kind of weird, especially given why it's his birthday. See, DC Comics has been using February 29th as a reason to explain why a 78-year-old character only looks like he's in his late 20s. If Superman was 29, an age often cited for that character, when he first appeared in 1938, he'd be 107 years old today. Yet the Man of Steel has been written and drawn as a man in his physical prime for much of his publishing history, like Mickey Mouse and Mario and a lot of other long fictional characters like, say, The Simpsons. Superman is frozen in amber as part of his personal aging process. That agelessness has periodically prompted readers to ask just why Clark Kent isn't getting any older and, you know, he's been around for forever. Part of the reason DC Comics has repeatedly hit the reset button on the fictional universe has been to keep the mainstream version of their flagship character anchored in a contemporary sensibility. In the 1960s, that meant structuring their multiverse so that the original iteration of Superman who fought in World War II lived on a different Earth. Yes, because that's always a way to solve a problem. But the solidification of the multiverse wasn't the only answer given to this conundrum. Longtime DC editor Julius Julie Schwartz had taken to answering reader questions about Kal-El's birthday by saying that the character's birthday was on a leap year. If he only has a birthday every four years, that would mean he ages slower, right? Ah? Ah? Yeah, it's the Pirates of Penzance defense. And no, it doesn't work that way. So February 29th became a concrete date for his birthday over the years, even if it doesn't really have much basis in any kind of fact about why he hasn't aged. Because frankly, it's just easier to say he's Superman and he doesn't get any older. However, I would like to wish the Man of Steel a belated happy birthday. Speaking of other dates, one that we haven't missed yet, April 6th is going to be an exciting day. And not just because it's the day before my birthday. There you go. You all know now. Uh, Marvel is really looking forward to its Poe Dameron comic. It's understandable. Everyone's kind of been excited about Poe Dameron from the movie. Marvel is going all out. They're taking over an entire day to celebrate all things Poe. That's right. They're declaring April 6th to be Poe Dameron Day. 
The launch of Marvel's Comics Star Wars series has its own launch party of sorts, with comic shops celebrating the first issue, which had approximately five gazillion variant colors. Covers, still it's a bit strange that uh, the new series is getting a similar treatment. Maybe it's the allure because Oscar Isaac is kind of awesome. Uh, maybe it's just because everything Star Wars has been so hot recently. But Marvel announced today, aside from a myriad variant colors for the series' first issue, they'll also be working with comic book retailers to provide free goodies for fans who show up on April 6th to partake in Poe-based goodness. That includes pin badges featuring artwork of Poe and BB-8, lithiographic prints of some of the variant covers, and more. So mark your calendars, kids. Head on over to the comic book shop. Let's all celebrate Poe Dameron Day. And then, who knows, maybe if all those rumors are true, the next Star Wars movie will be celebrating uh, Poe and, and Finn getting together day. Well, one can only hope. That's all for This Week in Geek. I'm Oboe Crazy, and this is the second podcast I've done today. Wow. Before we get into that, the world is indeed a strange place. If you have a fact that you want read live and on the air, say, for instance, Superman and Poe Dameron making out the at the Fountain of Youth, <gasps> you can send it to Lauren at OboeCrazy.com, and uh, she'll read it live and on the air. While you're at it, go to GlibShark.com, which is, I noticed, recently redesigned. Yes. Wow, it looks so fancy now. It's, uh, it's definitely something. A home, listen live, a link to follow us on Twitter, describe and download, our archives, and even our RSS feed. Glibshark.com, the spiffy new home of all of our content, including, uh, I guess this is as good a transition as any, Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. Yay. So, Lauren, what have you been up to today? Well, I got a chance, thanks to all of our fine listeners and and you two gentlemen and uh, Jules and John from Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks, thanks to all of your tweets and all of your mentions, I got contacted by Greg Tito from Wizards of the Coast, who asked if I would be interested in being on the official Wizards of the Coast podcast. And today I got to go on out and do exactly that. Also, today was the day that I, I got confirmation I could go ahead and talk about it before the podcast went out, which is why today might have been the first time anyone has heard about it. But yeah, I I fortunately live right here in Seattle, which is uh, where Wizards has their offices. So I got to go to the Wizards of the Coast office and meet a whole bunch of awesome people and be on their official podcast. And it's exciting. What do you want to know? I mean, I don't want to tell everything that happened on the podcast because you should go listen to the pod. You should all go subscribe to Glibshark and listen to Glibshark. But then uh, after that, go subscribe to uh, the Wizards official podcast. Wizards, um, if you just Google Wizards of the Coast, you'll find it. Uh, and their D&D podcast. And you should definitely listen. The episode, they, they're not exactly sure when it comes out, but probably in the next couple of weeks. Fairly soon. That's super exciting. Like, that's a big break for our little show. Absolutely. Well, and on top of that, they were just, it was it was uh, Greg Tito and Shelly Mazanova, who both, um, he runs the podcast and she's a regular guest on it. They're, they both work at Wizards and they were just super nice. Um, they I also met their audio engineer. The, the And then afterwards, he took me on a, a brief tour of the offices, which was also super nice. Like, I figured I'd just come on in and and talk for a little bit and leave. And he's like, oh, no, I'll show you around. I got a big bag of 
goodies. Um, I've, I've got t-shirts and magic cards and water bottles. And I mean, he just, he filled me full of swag. It's great. We're going to be handing out all kinds of stuff in the next couple of weeks. And uh, it was, it was just a lot of fun. It was between pimping out dungeons and dragons and drunks. And then also just chatting about the awesomeness that is D and D and playing D and D. And it was just really, really fun. Oh, and I'm exhausted. I've been talking a lot today. <laughs> uh, if you've been watching us on, if you've been live in the chat, then you've been watching the the very few pictures I did take. Um, I was I was very conscious of taking pictures in the office, or, or not taking pictures, I should say, just because um, that's, I did sign an NDA, but the NDA was pretty much, hey, if you see anything that uh, you're not supposed to talk about, don't talk about it. So uh, when he was showing me around the offices, at one point we passed a wall of concept art, which obviously I can't talk about. I will say it was gorgeous um, and stuff like that. So I, I don't really have that many pictures to talk about. Their main lobby has a giant dragon. And so you might have seen me tweet out a picture of me and or me and Greg Tito in front of the giant dragon, which was kind of awesome. And uh, everywhere in the offices, it was just pictures and toys and minis and books and maps and just it was kind of D D and magic especially heaven because wizards is also the company that makes magic the gathering so uh, artwork everywhere by every imaginable fantasy artist in all kinds of sizes uh the place i I was joking with Greg. I'm like, this is kind of like being at PAX. And he went, yeah, I know. When I first started working here, I couldn't help but have my jaw drop every time I walked down a hallway. So it is a very, very cool office. And uh, and yeah, uh, is there anything you would like to know? Well, I guess they can't talk too much about what they do. But if they had you on the show, it stands to reason that they've listened to our show before. So I have to know, um, did they... Did they reference any specific characters when they were talking about you, about the uh, of the show? Greg did apologize and say he'd only managed to get through a couple of episodes, which I totally understand. I think he only found out about the the show the couple weeks ago when we tweeted him about it, and we're up to almost you know fifteen episodes, and most of those are more than an hour long. So he said, "Yeah, I've only gone through the first couple of episodes," and I said, "I I totally understand. I you know, <laughs> hey, would you like to sit down and listen to like twenty four hours worth of content?" Uh, no one has the time for that all at once. Um, but yeah, he he really enjoyed it. Um, and they, they had a lot of really good questions. They, uh, not just about the show. I told them all about the, the impetus of the show and how we started off at the Rooster Teeth Convention and um, at Lib Shark and that, you know, the whole charity drive that we do for uh, Child's Play with SideQuest. Um, got a chance to... I didn't mention, I didn't get a chance to mention Kyosh. There's so many things in it afterwards that I'm like, God, I wish I had said this. I wish I'd, you know, pimped this out. Um, but yeah, we, I mentioned uh, raising money for charity. I mentioned that um, it was you know, how well that the show had gone. Um, and yeah, we, a lot of our discussion was just about D&D as a spectator sport, as, you know, with, Critical Role and God's Fall and Titan's Grave and the myriad of other uh, Twitch, uh, basically, casts of games that are out there. And you could just watch D&D &D practically anywhere at all times now. And how awesome that is. And 
the different ways that 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 works and uh they were very interested in me being a professional musician and a dm and how that might being a musician influence my dm style and um how how they work together um i had a, a couple good questions about how doing an audio podcast doing an audio D&D game, how different that is from doing a, an in-person game and if I DM differently. Um, so yeah, uh, we refrained from talking too many spoilers about the show. Uh, they did ask about the world um, and so I, uh, you guys you guys, at one point I had to say so if any of my players are listening, don't, don't listen to this, but it's not going to be anything that any of you will be surprised about. But hey, when the episode comes out, you'll just have to listen and, and see. Also, my husband has brought me a Reese's peanut butter egg, and it is now sitting in my lap. It's a hell of a reward. I know, right? <laughs> oh. oh, man. But yes. I, I am. I'm really stoked for it. I mean, I guess the world world building thing. I, that's something we've never done, like really talk to you about, like about sort of the world you've created. Well, you take elements of things that, you know, sort of exist already, but you have to flesh out this entire kind of universe based, I would imagine, around our distinct personalities. And you got to have like a natural advantage since you've known all of us for, well, for years. A little bit, yeah. I mean, obviously you guys are playing characters. So it's not like I'm I'm tailoring things specifically to, to um, you as much as trying to offer stuff that each of your characters might enjoy. Um, the world itself, um, well, I mean, I don't think this is a surprise to you guys. It's not a home, it's not a totally homebrew world. It is, you guys are in Faerun on the Sword Coast in, you know, it is it is uh, the standard D&D world. Uh, in yeah. fact, a lot of the original plan for you guys was I was going to run when we first got started and I wasn't sure if this was going to be a huge thing. Uh, was that I was going to run a pre-made game that Wizards put out that was a Horde of the Dragon Queen. Uh, so, and I said this on the other podcast, uh, listeners who have read through that adventure will notice some similarities. Uh, the town you guys are in, the names of some NPCs, um, but it kind of grew away from there i mean I, I use that as a basis for a beginning and then things have changed uh which is always interesting because i know uh john aka carlton tanks on our show has read through horde of the dragon queen so every once in a while um when he asks questions in game i have to make sure that he is not metagaming hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I guess with our group, it tends to we tend to throw you curveballs a little bit. I was going to ask you if we'd done anything to surprise you, but I know for a fact when we let that those two villages burn a couple of years ago, that surprised you. Oh yes, and yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. want to downplay what you guys have done because you guys have done some amazing, wonderful things. And yes, you've thrown curveballs at me several times, but that's the nature of a shared storytelling experience. You don't know what my plans are and you are not beholden to those plans. So if you guys go off in a different direction, then so be it. You're not wrong. You're, you're as much of the storyteller as, as I am. 
Um, and that's just part of being a DM is, you know, for all of the planning you can do, you're, you can lay out, you know, well, there's this and this and this that can happen and this over here and all of this over here and all of this storyline and these hooks and this and this and this. And then you sit down, your players are like, we want to go that way. And you're like, um, okay, sure. And there you go. Uh, there's certainly been a couple of episodes and where I've sat down, not exactly knowing what was going to happen, mostly because I didn't know what you guys were going to do. But that's that's half the fun. Um, the One of the questions that came up in the podcast was, um, as a musician, if I, if I specifically thought my musical training helped being a DM, and I, I hadn't really thought about that, but I do know as a performer, as a musician, I feel comfortable being a performer in front of you guys. It's like I, I, the nerves that I get being a DM are about whether I know all of the right information, whether I am knowledgeable enough about the world, if I've got the right skill set, if I know the spells, if you know, knowledge-based kind of things. But as far as like performing in front of you guys, that's fine. Uh, yeah. I did kind of wish I was a jazz player though, because um, my job as an oboist is almost all the time to look at a piece of paper that tells me what to do and to do it to the best of my ability. Um, I don't, I don't play jazz. Now, if I was a jazz player, that'd probably have some, some really nice crossover with being a DM. I mean, at the same time though, I feel like I rely on you and I know Jules does as a sort of crutch for information because you have a party full of people with different levels of experience in D&D mm -hmm. &D campaigning. Jules and I are fairly new. This is my first ever sustained D&D campaign. I've done Dungeon Delves here and there, but this is the first time I'm doing an ongoing character I keep coming back to. And I think, I'm pretty sure that's true for Jules as well. Um, I know John has a lot more experience. Jonathan, if it has on a table, he's played it before. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's half the fun, you know, of, of having that kind of mixed experience because uh, you say you rely on me, but I think you guys rely on each other just as much. Oh, that's definitely true. I know Jonathan has sort of stepped in, or Jonathan the Magic Muscular, I feel like is kind of, we don't really have a leader, but insofar as someone takes leadership initiative in the campaign, lately I think it's Jonathan who does that, partly because of his experience with the game and partly because he's sort of a moderating influence because the rest of us are kind of, I guess, sort of have different, uh, divergent, um, I guess, goals and instincts and motivations. Let's just say people love buying apples People love taking trophies needlessly from things. And other people like... Actually, I'm not really sure what Jules's tick is. Jules yeah. is sort of chaotic. Like, I feel like she kind of... Yeah, she's a cleric, but I feel like this... Entropy. Entropy wins. Entropy always wins. To quote Thane Krios. But my whole thing is, I kind of look at it as a storyteller too. Like I'm playing the game, but I also understand on some level that this is being made for secret consumption. So I'll play up certain aspects of my personality. I feel like I talk a lot less than the three of you guys in the game. But when I do talk, I, I try to make it important. And I really can't wait until someone does like personality like profiles and actually dives in and listens to it as a fan and does some analysis of our characters. I don't want to tell anyone <laughs> what to think other than what's been out there, really. But I'm really interested to hear what they think about Jonathan or Carlton or Travancore or Bernie's, Hugh Burns. Well, I definitely feel like listening to you guys, especially as I do the audio editing, that, yeah, I mean, Bernie and, and Carlton are very much siblings vying for leadership, for attention, for dominance, for um, 
respect, you know, there's that constant kind of quarreling going on. Um, you've got a title right in your name, being the Viceroy of Glenmar. But uh, when it comes down to it, on a very regular basis, I hear one of the three of you say, well, Jonathan, what do you think? And it turns to the magi muscular to, to make some kind of informed muscular decision. Jonathan the magi muscular here. Jonathan the <laughs> magi muscular is skilled in many things. Magic, muscles, more magic, and more muscles. This variety of experience allows him to fill the leadership role when needed. But he would never call himself a leader. He would and call himself Jonathan the Magic Muscular, the leader. And I think that <laughs> as a group, we tend to operate more by consensus. It's not like someone takes charge and issues orders. It's insofar as someone needs to provide direction. A lot of the time it's Jonathan. Sometimes it's me. Once in a while it's Bernice or, or Carlton. And I think that makes it a more interesting dynamic that is more egalitarian than your typical uh, command structure. I also do think that they also turned to Jonathan because on a regular basis, the middle of a conversation turns into the beginning of a fight and everyone yeah. just wants to see him magic missile. It's And it's worth noting that we're all drinking when we're doing this. So that probably plays a role in things too. A little bit. Although we've been very good. I think uh, we've been very good about not overindulging uh, both so that we're not crazy drunk, but also we've been doing shorter sessions. I think the, the, the two hour limit ish that I've been kind of putting on our recording sessions, not only limits the amount of drunk we can get, but also really helps in the audio editing. Um, so, and I, I kind of like the, the fact that we've been able to get together every week, consistently for a while now instead of like, oh, we're going to do a three, four hour session and then not get together for three weeks. But, you know, we were recording over Christmas and New Year's and not even my home group usually gets together in December because that's such a crazy month. Yeah. And it got me so excited. I caught the fever a little bit. So Travi is uh, starting up a sort of D uh, Pathfinder campaign. Ooh. And I will be looked into that world. I know it's based off of, uh, of uh, three a little bit, but I want to try and dive in, get to the characters, and make somebody very different than Travancore. I've decided I love the Travancore. I love playing that character. I love the way that protected him. But it'd be fun to sort of take someone in an opposite direction, to take someone who's going from a place where he was irresponsible and trying to be more responsible, and taking somebody who is responsible and maybe decides he doesn't want to do that anymore. Yeah, and if if you've been liking fifth edition, I think you'll also really like Pathfinder. A lot of the basics of the way the games games play and the rule sets are very similar. Pathfinder has a little bit more minutia, um, especially when compared to what we've been doing with, with Dungeon Drunks, um, partially because I like running a game that doesn't have a ton of map stuff. We've done a little bit, but um, not only have we not gone crazy with, with maps and with uh, miniature movement, but I've also home ruled a couple of things that are usually standard for uh, 5th edition D&D. So uh, definitely, you know, take a look through stuff just to uh, see not only what the differences are, but also what Travi is going to want to do. He may home rule a lot of the same things. I don't know. But there are yeah. there are some differences. 
It's also going to be on Roll20 because there's the geographic spread of all the people playing. But unlike with this one, it's not going to be recorded or anything. It's just going to be a campaign. So it'll be a little fun, too. Yeah, and there is there is something nice about that. I mean, I was just watching uh, last week's episode of Critical Role wasn't a real episode because they had a whole bunch of people who got sick. Uh, someone had to go to a funeral. They were literally missing half their, their crew. So instead, uh, Matt Mercer... And four of their players got together and they did half chat, like question and answer, and half a kind of a weird battle royale, which is a lot of fun and you should watch. Um, But they were talking about one of the main questions that they had was, is bringing this thing that's a a private personal thing, bringing it online and doing it in front of people, is that going to change for the worst, this thing that we love? And I think... the consistently they've said no that you know for the most part it's been good but they're also all professional actors and voice actors and entertainers and they do this for a living and you know so I do always wonder if that would be different for a a private group if that would be different for people who you know are a little less comfortable performing in front of other people and maybe D&D is a safe place for them to to act a little crazy and a little silly because it's only their friends. Um, I certainly, um, my home game, I, I love my home game and I, I tweet about my home game all the time and tweet quotes from it, but I would never bring cameras into that. I would never even consider filming that or anything because I know some of the players on there just wouldn't be comfortable with that. So, you know, I don't, as much as I love that there is a ton of D&D out there to watch, I don't think nowadays, I don't think people need to think about, well, we've got a D&D group together on Roll20. We should also record this and put it out on the internet. No, yeah. do it for you. Do it because you love it. Right. And that's the thing. I wouldn't want it to be a podcast either. I already got like, well, technically one slash two of those. I mean, because Dungeons and Dragons and Drunk, while it's on the Glibchart feed, it's kind of like a separate project. Yeah. It is, and it was conceived as a podcast, as as a, a piece of entertainment that we would put out there. So, um, yeah, I t- definitely keep us updated with what kind of character you're playing and, and what you're doing and, and how much fun it is. I've never played Pathfinder, but I've heard only good things about it. I, I'm definitely going to leverage you for that. Um, one of the things I think that's different for us, too, is that all of us have had some sort of aspect of performance. You as a musician, um, the three of us as Glib Shark, uh, John as being behind the camera and doing cinematography and having hosted a large, you know, conference of Rooster Teeth fans, um, or actually planned one. And then Jules and her, her day job, you know, she's constantly in front of people. Mm-hmm. So I feel like between the five of us, we have that performance aspect down, like, and that friendship where we know each other well enough that we can bounce off of each other a little bit and fight a little bit and, and, and be a unit. And I think that friendship is some of the things that people are picking up on when they listen to the show. Yeah. And hopefully people will enjoy the the podcast that I just did with wizards. I'll definitely, when it comes out, let people know. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think he, I know he did another podcast recording right after me and, um, he he was unsure if it was like next week or two weeks or three weeks. So I think it's sometime this month, but he promised that he would let me know uh, ahead of time when it's going to come out. So definitely go subscribe to the Dungeons and Dragons podcast. And I'm excited, but we should, we should talk about other things considering I don't, I don't want to just recap another podcast because 
you should go and listen to it. What yeah, else have you, you guys been up to? But you got me on this whole thing, though. Before we leave this topic real quick, I want to sure. ask you a question that may or may not have been asked on um, on the podcast on the podcast you did. Uh, Hit me. Who was your personal favorite like NPC of all the characters you've like spoken as or read as? Who do you like the best of the ones you've seen so far? Ooh. So like as oh, the characters I've played in as in Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. Yeah. Yeah, the ones that you've acted off, whether it's Eddie and Falcon Moon or Urk Elizabeth or, or Dorveen or whoever. Hmm. Well, it's hard not to pick Soria, but I think she is, she might not count because she is a, a player character of mine from a different game that I just pulled in here for story reasons. Um yeah, I mean, I I have to go with her, but if if I would I would understand if you wanted to discount her because of of her real background. As far as like characters that have just been in the game, ah, uh, let's see. Elizabeth was kind of fun. Um, the the hero worship she had going on was a lot of fun. Um, I'm really enjoying. Um, I don't know how well it comes across. And maybe this is too behind the screen, but um, Leosian in my mind is the the most bland humor, has the most bland humor. I he love has- Leosian. I love, <laughs> and I'm going to keep telling you this. I love the way you play all your characters. And Leosian is one of my favorites just because he is that dry humor. Like, He's the straight man to four lunatics. Exactly. And I I love that. I love how how he amuses himself. I'm yes. trying to remember what it was, but it There's was like, like he he has dad jokes that yeah. he says. No, they're like they're, they're the worst jokes, jokes ever. Yeah. They they're are, the worst jokes ever. They are great grandpa jokes and he loves them. I uh, and I love them. They're they're so great. And he in my head, he is um, he's got a little bit of that Kwai Chang Kane from, um, uh, oh, I've just lost the name of the show, from Kung Fu. Kung Fu, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that kind of very serene but constantly serious look, and he, he talks very slow and very deliberate, and he's not really a humorous guy, and then every once in a while he thinks he's hysterically funny, but he has no delivery skills no. and the worst jokes. No, it's it's <laughs> it's so good. I think I think I, I gotta go with him just because like playing him is is a constant struggle to be at boring in the most interesting way possible. My personal favorite is guard number two. Uh, when we ran into Wayland's <laughs> wonders, that the one you know which I know one, exactly. Dude, you know which uh, one? That one? Yes. Please, please say something in his voice. I love it. I can't say too much in his voice because it hurts too much. When I do it. That that's an uh, that is a moment in where like I need to differentiate between the two guards. Okay, silly voice time. Wait, it's like was- an erudite Kermit the Frog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I oh, love when he called Wayland an asshole. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So slight change of topic. Go for it. Submit. What did I just submit? Oh. Oh, I think I know what it is. I just submitted our RTX 2016 panel application. Woohoo! Oh, 
Yes, I saw that that came out today. So you did for for Glib Shark, and I, I got to do Glib for. Shark. Okay, I'll do for D and D and D. I will get I on think that. Glib Shark is kind of. I know Bernie made us a promise once that Late Night Jenga Jam, aka Glib Shark, would always have a panel at uh, at RTX. However, as nice of a of a thing to say to his friends, he doesn't make that call anymore, and so. I feel like we have to get in kind of like at the top of the stack to stay to stay competitive. And yeah. at least with our at least with Glibshark. With D and D and D, we have a lot more leverage. I was looking at the at the room response or the the, the question about what kind of room you have. Mm-hmm. And last year's room was was just near the top, not not the smallest, but but near up there. We could easily ask for a much bigger room. I mean it's in like it's insane. I I don't know that we're at the top. I I def well maybe I don't know if if guardian numbers are to be believed then maybe we can. But uh, we definitely can ask for a lot more this year and justify it. I think. Well, I'm not going to take anything for granted. I will definitely get that application in probably tonight or tomorrow at the very latest, and and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, we we. We love doing what we do, and we have a lot of people who love watching us. And uh, the show last year did phenomenally well with a packed house. But you know what? I there's a lot of other podcasts, or not podcasts. There's a lot of other um, panels out there that also did phenomenally well and deserve larger spaces. And you know, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm. I'm looking forward to seeing what all what all we can do. I think last year may have been peak panel for me. I don't know that I'll get asked to be on any. I, I you should never assume that you will. And I think I, I was actually talking to Connor about this. Connor and uh and Rocket John. I think we're gonna leave the photography panel uh, alone for a while. We're gonna give it a year rest, and we mm-hmm. may come back uh, next year to try and resubmit the panel. And maybe maybe get a few more asses in seats because, it, 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 frankly, it was disappointing last year. So that is definitely on our list for future times, but not necessarily for next year. Well, and I did like the panel that you guys did, that it was you and um, Joseph from Player 4 Podcast. And at- Escalante and uh, what was it? Ken Dickerson, I think it was. Yeah, the four of you kind of, uh, you know, here's Rooster Teeth inspired, uh, community inspired podcasts. Here's how we do what we do. Here's why we do what we do. Kind of answering all of those those questions. You know, I don't know if doing that again would be a repeat. And I, I know Jos- Joseph has already come out and said that he's not sure if he can go this year, which is really sad. Right. But I do I do really like those panels in where uh different parts of the community come together to do that kind of panel, which is why I really liked that one. Do we, so we have our glib shark panel, obviously, and that's, that's for us. I I think keeping that for us and maybe having some surprise guests that we've talked about before, wink, uh, as, as maybe, and maybe using it as a run up to Dungeons and Dragons and drunks. I, I think that's a good spot for the, for the, glib shark panel right now mm-hmm. are there any kind of community super groups that we want to get together for me i uh, i will have to back away from that because as much as i love attending those um running whatever we do for dungeons dragon and drunks and being a part of the glib shark is is 
pretty much going to be my limit on organizational uh, organization of panels. So, and, and that's why getting invited to a panel like that is so nice because, mm-hmm. like, when we did the art of the podcasting thing that uh, that Dustin Pettigrew did a few years ago. I just, that, again, that was another one I just had to show up to. And I showed up to a panel with, with Dust Storm, Goose Checka, uh, Lindsay, and myself. And it was a lot of fun. With the Player 4 podcast last year, I showed up and I don't think I took off my sunglasses. I was that guy. And <laughs> I, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And, and we had a ton of fun up there. Yeah, And you can tell. Yeah. So I... I I, I hope that I am invited to one because, like I said, that's someone else doing the work and me just going up there and being funny, which I I try and do. So uh, and, and and like I said, I think I think this year with with not doing the photography panel, um, uh, I, I think I probably probably as far as par- panels I'm putting on, going to just keep it to these two. Yeah. How about you, Jenga? Well, I don't know. I mean, if I get reached out to from somebody, um Great, you know, I'll look at it, see if it looks like a cool idea, and I'll do it. But if not, I'm more than happy to attend uh, RTX. Is just attendee, is just a guy who goes and he has a good time and uses this as va- like vacation. Yeah, yeah. So, I, the other thing I'm going to have to uh, keep in mind will be the timing on these two panels because I, I we definitely want uh, Dungeon Drunks to be an evening panel. And I'm assuming you submitted Glibchark for a morning or an afternoon? Afternoon, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. For on Friday. On Friday. And okay. The thing I would say for the Glibchark panel is I would want to do something a little different than we've done in past years, just to sort of differentiate ourselves from the Dungeons and Dra- Dragons and Drunks and to sort of offer something that doesn't otherwise have a spot in, um, like, that's unique for RTX. Yeah, absolutely. And I would, we should definitely talk about this and, and see what we want to do. I, I'm, Pretty sure my panel submission will will get us a spot. If it doesn't, that's fine. We'll yeah. we'll work it out. But I I am definitely opening open to ideas because we we've been doing this panel for this will be year number five. Uh, uh, year number four. Let's see. It was 2012, we- 2013, 2014, 2000. Okay, this will be number five. Yeah, so, I believe we've been doing this as long as there's been an RTX that wasn't that first crazy one. Oh my god, that first crazy one was awesome. <laughs> For those that were there, yes, it was awesome. But yes, hey, if you're listening and you have a suggestion for what you'd like to see on a, a Glibshark panel, go ahead and drop us a line at Glibshark. Let us know. See if you have, you know, obviously we'll do some kind of Q&A, but if you've got, hey, I would like to hear about this or I'd like to know more about that or I'd like you guys to do this or, you know, what kind of drinks do you guys like so that we can make sure to have that prepared well in advance. Uh- oh, God. And this year on both panels, we will be well supplied for any shenanigans like the like last year i feel like we bungled the or i bungled the, the drink uh, lip sharp drinking game so that i i promise that that <laughs> will make a return into rtx 2016 the glib shark panel drinking game will be back it'll be awesome and we'll have much even better prizes for for people who uh participate in our audience so I have an idea for what we could do for a few minutes of our panel, at least. I think we should do a bad fan fiction contest. 
and oh open up to submissions. Oh my god. And we have three professional performers here, right? We've been doing this in D&D and and we've done radio plays. And we take submissions from across our fan base and whoever wins, we will do a live reading of it on our panel. Okay, so we're not writing it, we're just doing we're a dramatic read. read it. Yeah, we're going to ask for submissions from from our listener. We should probably write three of our own just, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> oh god. I haven't written Wait, fan fiction. Who's forever. Martin Koshy, and why did he? Why is he such a genius? <laughs> so you've heard it here first, folks. My pen name is Martin Koshy. Okay, if if we were to do, and, and obviously we're not, nobody's committing to anything right now. Nope, just cheap work, workshop and ideas. But if we were to do a fan fiction contest. What were our what would our properties be? Just just off the cuff, and this doesn't this doesn't marry you to the deal. Like if I said, oh, I want to do Flintstones uh, fan fiction. If I show up at RTX and it's something else, like like uh, like Care Bears fan fiction, then that's okay. But yeah, just off the cuff, I think we open it up. Like if they want to do like a Facts of Life or a Too Close for Comfort fan fiction. Who am I to deny them? Their oh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying, if you have a preference, like we're we're gonna because I I feel like for this we should write our own again, just in yeah. case. But sure. Jack, what is your property that you're doing fan fiction for? Oh man, I gotta say that I will bring my uh, my high school version of Mass Effect to the uh, with oh, the Shepherd Twins uh, going to Citadel High School. The Cerberus Club being their kind of rivals, with their advisor being the elusive man. Uh, Principal Udina, um, Coach Anderson being the Shepherd Twins uh, track and field coach. I think Saren would have to be like a uh, like a safety patrol member or something like that. And of course, Littlest Reaper would be there, who's the good Reaper who's trying to you know rebel against his the instinct of his fellow Reapers. He's their friend. He's the good guy. So yeah, class effect would be mine. Oh, well, what about you? I don't know if I could write something especially when I could just I've I've just lost the name of the the Conan the Barbarian fanfic that's the the we talked about it a year oh, like I remember a year, that. yes yeah like I feel like I would just pull that out and try to read some of that or or it's like, it's like the room of fan fiction though it is it is and I think if we're going to if we're going to do it then we we have to do that right um otherwise I feel like I'd have to try the the other classic thing to do at a convention is to try to read 50 shades of gray i mean that's the other thing that for a while was the in vogue thing to do was to to try to read through parts of 50 shades of gray without bursting up laughing because it's so bad and that is essentially fanfic or at least the teleplay for 50 shades of black because we're inclusive unlike the academy <laughs> wow we'll get to that in just a second. that was a deep we are, cut we'll, we we'll, are uh, more diverse than the academy uh, I would probably try and revisit my Settlers of Catan fan fiction. I actually did write a uh, that I I can't find. I try it's in a journal or it's somewhere, but I wrote a very short fan fiction for Settlers of Catan, and it, and I thought it was brilliant. So I might have to either dig that up or or. Or revisit it, reboot it, as it were. Is your protagonist protagonist's name Stedman and Catan? Because that would be perfect. It is. The protagonist is a naked woman. 
And that's all I'll say. Because um, why not? It was also the Eye of Argon is the the name I was trying to come up with. Ah, uh, yes. It 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 just left my brain and then just came back into it now. So yeah, if if we want to do this, I I promise I will not be writing my own fanfic, but I will make sure to read the Eye of Argon, parts of it anyway. And if someone wants to buy me a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey and bring it to me to read, I'll read some of that live. I refuse to spend any money on that piece of crap, though. Those are your choices, audience. Or if you have another one you want to submit, send it to glibshark at gmail.com. Did anyone check that? Don't yeah, send I it. I have it just on my phone. Bring, yeah, Perfect. just bring it with you. Or no, oh, that's a good, like, not a bad idea. We'll have to do a quick read-through or whatever. Or just, you know, send one ahead of time. That way we can decide on one and know and rehearse it and run through it just in case we need to. Or is it funnier if we just do it on the cuff? It's I think it's kind of funny if we do it off the cuff. Yeah. We have no idea what we're about to get into. Oh man, Listen, especially submissions. Like, like if we if we make a game out of it, like we we come up with some fan fiction buzzwords, and if if we read those bu- buzzwords, we have to drink. Sort of like a a, a second drinking game, as it were. Because oh, throbbing man. always yeah. comes up in fanfic. Oh. In oh. the most inappropriate and worst ways ever, too. And you, not even. Not even in good places. No. Or, you know, drink every time they introduce an expanded universe character. <laughs> I do remember one of the first times way back when, before I was even on the show as a regular uh, contributor, but when Jenga, you had Linnea and I on as guests, we spent a good amount of time on that episode talking about Rooster, uh, Red versus Blue fan fiction and reading through some of the fanfic on fanfic.net that was specifically, say, uh, Griff Simmons. Ah, okay. We went These down were that rabbit salad days of the show back before we. I don't know. I don't think I have like taste or standards or ethics now, but back then it was like you know Griff and and uh, Simmons uh, fan fiction one week and then Dead Baby Jokes the next. Listen, there's nothing wrong with with Griff and Simmons and, and going down that that you know hey whatever makes you happy, but it was badly written fan fiction. <laughs> It was yeah. really bad. <laughs> oh, man. Or using a drink every time they use a big word improperly. Oh, I I won't even I won't be able to get through Eye of Argon. Every other word is used improperly or spelled improperly or just improper in all ways. I will be saying three words and drinking. Oh, man. I have to write a uh, section in um, Inkle that I classify fan fiction where the shepherd twins, my whole way of getting around the male-female shepherd thing is to have them be two shepherds, twins, going to the same high school. So there's a, a male one and a female one. And uh, having them ha- get in a fight, I want them to get into a fight over who has to go. I have to go. No, I have to go. No, I have to go. Oh, jeez. Shepherd. And just go back and forth. Shepherd. Rex. Shepherd. Rex. Shepherd. Grunt. Shepherd. <laughs> Shepherd. <laughs> oh, now you make me want to play Mass Effect again, even though I know I won't because I, I can't redo that story again. I have been. Um, I'm kind of more than halfway through my Mass Effect uh, you know, original one playthrough on Xbox One because it's the only game that's compatible with Xbox One right now. And uh, I've been sort of doing a Super Paragon, but as the Infiltrator, which I think is the one, like, thing that I haven't done yet at all. So I will have done all six classes by the time this playthrough is is done. I wanted to... Go for it. 
well, I wanted to loop back because we alluded to the Oscars. And yeah, we, we, we are running a, a little low on time. So I wanted to talk about them and talk about the hero who has finally, after such a long drought and speculation, gotten his Oscar and Neo Morcone. 500 oh, movie credits and composer Ennio Mor Morcone has finally won an actual Oscar. Not an honorary Oscar. He has actually received an Oscar for his work on Hateful Eight. And it's appreciated. And we appreciate his inventing the telegraph as well. Yep. And uh, somewhere John Williams is, is crying as he hugs his six Oscars. Does he have six? I know he's been nominated like 50 times. And I think he's won for six. I think he was up once. again this year. He was up again this year for, for Star Wars. Yeah, for Star Wars. So, oh, God. All right, see, now I'm going to have to look it up uh, how many he actually has. Five. It is five? Okay. Because oh. I know he's he is the most nominated person at the Oscars. Um, but, yeah, he, he did not actually win, and I'm sure he is so broken up about it. Yeah, but I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, Chris Rock's whole scathing, um, you know, monologue talking about stuff. But really, I felt like the unsung hero of the Oscars was Sarah Silverman. I love that Sarah Silverman and that whole sense of humor is now mainstream enough that they're on like the largest, uh, you know, award show in America. I was kind of surprised that the new meme that came out of the Oscars, obviously what you're making fun of is the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio finally won. So yeah. For, for about a day, it was, oh, God, the death of all these Leo not being able to win an Oscar memes. And, of course, the Internet can't let uh, one meme die without creating 20 million more. But the interesting one that came out of it was the the montages of uh, Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio throughout the years. Because obviously, since Titanic, they have uh, kept very a very close friendship. And there's just a lot of clips of them showing up to award ceremonies together or not together and just like running into each other and being genuinely happy to like hang out with each other, thanking each other in their uh, acceptance speeches, even when the other had nothing to do with the production. They were just their friend. Um, it, it was actually kind of a touching couple of things to watch. Like here's these two people who have kept a genuine friendship in, in Hollywood and it's it hasn't needed to be romance. It's just two really good friends who love each other like brother and sister, I guess, at this point. Yeah, they're just, just really, really good pals. I mean, they had, uh, like, I can't imagine not only, like, not only making Titanic, but also the press junkets that they would have had to go, go through. And I know every yeah. movie has that, but I don't know that he's had... That, that at least in, in the movie subsequent, that either of them would have had those kinds of experiences together. And it was probably something that they really bonded over. It, or, I mean, if I, had to, if I had to hang around with someone that long for those kinds of things, I would hope that I would become really, really good friends with that person. Yeah, especially exactly. considering how young they were when they made the show. I mean, how old were they? Yeah. Like 23, 24? I don't know, but they showed a picture of the two of them like side by side with the two of them at the Oscars a couple days ago. And yes, they have aged beautifully and they're both still very young, attractive people. But oh, my God, <laughs> it's been 20 years, folks. They are older. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Yeah, it, it came out, what, 96 or 97? 
97, I think. Yeah. Because oh. I, really I think nice? I came home from college to see it. So see, I, I wasn't remember here. seeing it in. Oh, Zena, I'm going to have to look this up because I see, seem to remember. 97. 97? Yeah, I was definitely okay. in high school. It was at the movie theater on Welsh Road in the Boulevard, which isn't doesn't exist anymore. And that doesn't mean anything to anyone who grew up outside Northeast Philadelphia, but <laughs> it's there. And it's part of the show's canon from now on. But man, like, I I just remember thinking, I, wanna, I can never make a movie like that. And, you know, for better or worse, that has proved to be true. <laughs> I'd say for the better, because you know what? It, we only need one Titanic. That's true. There can only be one. And the question is, like, now that Leo has won his Oscar, who is the next deserving uh, person in line who has been ignored by the Academy up to this point, who is has high profile? Someone was talking about that, and I think at this point, it's probably, shoot, I don't know. Honestly, I, I can't think of someone right now, because I've got Leo and, uh, uh, and Ennio Marconi on my brain. Hmm. And they've, oh. they've both been taken off your brain because now they've gotten their just desserts. Yeah, it's like, I humbly submit. I was going to say Eugene Levy, but it isn't, no, I, can't even, I, can, uh, I can't even make that a joke. That joke work. No, I really liked that Brie Larson won. I did not get to see The Room, but I love Brie Larson, especially you her mean Room. Room, yeah. She yeah, wasn't in The room. room. I know, I know. It's <laughs> very, very important articles there. But uh, <laughs> but I, I really liked her in Scott Pilgrim and I liked her in 21 Jump Street. So seeing, seeing that actor get, get rewarded like that was really cool. And I was very happy to see that Mad Max, while it, it didn't win any of the big marquee awards, did manage to win a lot of the technical and a lot that of the other. That was very cool. Yeah, yeah like they, they kept having to mention... They might not have, have won the, the big marquees, but they won with quality of quantity. Yeah, they won. I, I believe it was, I'll bring it up here while I'm kind of talking about like five awards. It was it, costume, uh, production, like like uh, production design. I want to say sound and sound editing. That Let me, would make sense. And probably special effects. I believe that actually uh, Deus Ex or Ex oh. one for one for visual effects, but I am looking at that. Also, here is a sentence I never thought I would say. Uh, Joe Biden showed up to introduce Lady Gaga and talk about uh, sexual abuse on the Oscars, and it was kind of cool. Joe Biden has always been kind of cool. I but more agree. specifically, in the light of all of these stories, and finally, the society kind of seems to be turning a corner on this whole issue of, of sexual abuse. And finally, it's not being ignored or pushed under the rug or undermined or played. It's being treated with the seriousness that it deserves. Yeah, and I mean, I, I see the connection for why talking at the Oscars, what with the Lady Gaga song being nominated, but it's certainly... Um, I was I found out about it on Twitter because I was not watching the Oscars because I'm just not I'm interested in who won, but not in seeing the whole pageantry. And then all of a sudden my Twitter feed is filled with Joe Biden. And I'm like, what what is I, yay, Biden? What the hell is going on here? And had to look it up. I'm like, oh, OK, this is not at all what I expected this evening, but that's kind of cool. All right. So Mad Max won for makeup and hairstyling, production design, 
uh, sound editing, sound mixing, and there was one more in here, uh, editing. And guy on a flaming guitar. <laughs> they were, someone was saying, I think it was, this was on the Rooster Teeth podcast, that for The Martian, Matt Damon's beard was a visual effect. Uh, you know, I think I heard about that. Um, not something about with, with the, the helmet. Oh God. I'm going to have to look this up. Yeah. Well, we'll some, we can move on. It, that's, yeah, it's well, fine. But no, I, I'm, I also heard something like, about like that. That sounds familiar. I mean, um, yeah. Other than Leo, I'm trying to think of someone who's high profile enough that hasn't won an Oscar, but not someone where you kind of roll your eyes if you suggest it, where they're kind of like an action star or someone who's so top-notch and superstar that they they can cover themselves with millions of other millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, not someone who I, isn't also an amazing actor. I mean, I could think of a yeah. bunch of... Has Paul um, Giamatti won an Oscar yet? What would he win for? I mean... <laughs> wow. <laughs> the fucking rhino? Is that what we're thinking? Or I'm not thinking his, of anything. His insipid performance in 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 uh, Sideways. That movie was terrible. I don't care what people say. That movie was awful. He's done more than two movies. Well, I know, but those are the only two that come to mind. Clearly, his. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think. He's done some other. He's wasn't he also in Straight Outta Compton? All right, wait, huh? wait. I have his Wikipedia page. Paul Edward Valentin Giamatti is an American actor nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for the film Cinderella Man and is also known for a bunch of other things. He has won two Golden Globes, a Primetime Emmy Award, and four Screen Actor Guild Awards, but he has not won an Academy Award. Uh, He's been nominated, though. Yeah, and he's also in Straight Outta Compton, I think. He played the manager, and I think the year before... I think Chris Rock made a joke about him, where he played, like, a scathing racist one year and then crying at E.C.E.'s funeral the following year. That's range. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there uh, you go. Tomorrow, Internet, I want to see Paul Giamatti memes. Brian Cranston was sort of this installation at the Emmys during, during Breaking Bad's run. And I know he was nominated this year, and I'm pretty sure he's been nominated before. So he might not have the, like, breadth of nominations that some of the other actors have. But I don't know. What if it's his time? Did Actually, I take that. Philip Seymour Hoffman won, right? He won one year? I think so. Also, Brian Cranston. I think he won had- for Capote. That would make sense, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman... Wikipedia, because... Well, I mean, like, this podcast is brought to you by Wikipedia. (laughs) If you gave them $3 right now, (laughs) their campaign would be up for already. Um, Well, at this point, like, it's not really relevant because it's not like he's going to get another Oscar. You know what? He won the Academy Award for Best Picture Actor for Capote in 2005. There you go. So, So uh, okay, so sadly, it seems like Giamatti is the next unsung hero of the Academy Awards. But I feel like we, I feel like there's a better option. If you have a better option, then tweet it what to about, us. Okay, what about the girls? Is there an actress that has kind of gone multi-nominated that hasn't won? I'm, I'm frankly the wrong person to be thinking about this, so I will defer to you gentlemen. Hmm. Has, did I, Susan Ricci ever win for the Emmy for, uh, for General, or what was it, General Hospital? Yes, she or? did. Okay. Yeah, it was a it was a thing when it when it happened. She was all excited. Okay. 
I'm going to ask Google most nominated. I'm, I'm going to ask someone smarter than Google. Hey, Luke. <laughs> there we go. Luke, besides Leonardo DiCaprio with his, you know, not winning for forever and ever and ever and then finally winning uh, an Academy Award, can you think of another uh, actor or actress who has yet to win an Academy Award who has that kind of breadth of work? He says Will Smith. Ah, mm. uh, yeah, I can kind of see that. Especially uh, after what? Concussion. Concussion on yeah. Ali. Concussion. That right. was kind of a snub. Yeah, that was that was a big snub. I did not see that, but it was. It seemed like that sort of movie. Um, and then there's like, In Pursuit of Happiness. I thought he was really really good in that. Oh yeah, In Pursuit of Happiness. I didn't even think about that one. I, he was probably nominated for Ali, wasn't he? That I'm not sure. Hmm. Well, the, the, oh, Glenn Close. He, he Glenn Close never won. Huh? She's come close, but she's never. Sorry. Who? I I, I regretted that Glenn as soon as close. it came out of my mouth. She has six nominations for The World According to Garp, Big Chill, The Natural, Fatal Attraction, Dangerous Liaisons, and Albert Nobbs, but she has never won. Hmm. Well, so maybe Glenn Close is the new one. Uh, I, so Sarah, plain and tall and Oscarless, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem is, it's like. What has she done recently? I, I the only thing I could think of Glenn Close being in recently is the vice president in Air Force One or Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh crap, that's right. But she was awesome in. But she's probably not winning an no, award. No, no. I mean, it, that wasn't the kind of role you win an Oscar for. No, oh, it's the kind Adams of role you win a fan base for. Amy Adams, a little younger, has gotten five nominations but no win. Most recently for American Hustle in 2013. That's you know what I am declaring, Amy Adams. The new hero of the um, uh, the Academy Awards, and we will not rest until Amy Adams has gotten her Oscar. I'm sure she will not rest either. No. <laughs> but yes, if you at home have any suggestions for other actors or actresses who fit this bill, tweeted us at Glibshark. Let us know. Oh man, so. Until next week, our sound producer is Jonathan Amy Adams for President Cerna. <laughs> we'll ignore the fact that she is petite and pale. Ignoring that completely. I'm moving on. <laughs> so if you ever wondered... I'm going to stick with Will Smith. If, if you ever wondered uh, who does our announcing for, uh, for the introduction to this podcast, that guy named Bob Ball. He's a voice actor. You should check him out uh, on Twitter at BobBallVO. Our theme music is done by Linnea Boyev. Uh, so on behalf of Jonathan Cerna, Lauren Urban, who, by the way, you can check out at a future episode of the Dungeons & Dragons podcast produced by Wizards of the Coast. We'll let you know about that on Glib Shark's uh, Twitter as soon as we know. This is Jack Edithel saying good night, farewell, and... Go Lauren, vote. help me out here. Go vote. Yeah, go vote. It's a little late, but go vote. Well, no, some of us are in states that that's still going to happen. Go and vote. nobody's hit the delicate count yet, so it's not oh, too late yet. Oh, uh, Hawaii and Alaska. There you go. Hawaii and Alaska, go vote. Go vote. You have other states of like Florida and all those other states, so yeah, go vote. I, you know what? I'm very glad we said this because now I have an, uh, a title for the episode. Yay. Yay. Go vote. <laughs> that's all for this week's episode of Glib Shark. But you can find more swimming around the internet. Go fishing for us on iTunes. We're a five-star catch. Or follow us on Twitter, at Glibshark. 
You can even drop us a line, glibshark at gmail.com. Until next week, stay sharky, my friends.